Hey everyone, my name is Nick Bambeck, and welcome to the debut episode of Rockin' Retrospect. After Hellman the Audiovisual Repository music blog for several years, I decided to take the next step and create a podcast. Don't worry, I'll still publish new blogs, and that's not going away anytime soon. After brainstorming several ideas for a podcast, I took a step back and asked myself, why are we music fans in the first place, and who are our favorite artists? From my past experiences, those have always been been the best conversations I've had with music fans, colleagues, and friends. There's nothing like talking to someone about the music that became the soundtrack for our lives. From there, I created the show's concept. I invite a guest who selects an artist they admire, and we discuss their life, career, and legacy in the music industry. Although this podcast is meant to be educational, I, I also want it to be fun. Think of it as two friends sitting in a coffee house or a bar and engaging in a deep and meaningful conversation about the music they love. I hope you enjoy Rock and Retrospect. Today's guest is the first person I wanted to be on the show, and I was so happy she said yes, because I would have probably never done the podcast if she said no. Um, no, it's uh, Mary Layton, and Mary Layton is one of my favorite people in the world. She is one of the co-hosts of the Hall Watchers podcast that's been going two years strong. Uh, Mary is one of uh, the most passionate and fierce and uh friendliness people i know she's just an amazing person and she's very humble and she's very passionate about music and honestly i couldn't have a better first guest come on the show uh why hello barry hi i am officially buttered up (laughs) (laughs) no you're i don't think i praised you enough oh no thank you so much for having me on this is really exciting i was really excited um to find out that you were joining the the world of podcasting and that you had me on first i'm very honored oh it's it's honestly the least i can do um i was a guest on mary and um, her husband eric's podcast a few times and and it's such a wonderful podcast and she is just one of the uh my favorite people talk about with music because we all like different types of music and Mary is just, um, so, um, knowledgeable and so, um, eclectic in her tastes and she's just amazing. Oh, thank you. So, uh, today's topic is, um, we're going to talk about the wonderful Millie Jackson. Millie Jackson is a R and B singer, uh, she basically is how would we describe millie jackson (laughs) she is she's an r&b singer who basically started her career on a dare from friends they bet her five dollars that because she was complaining about a singer at a nightclub and they said we'll bet Mm -hmm. you five dollars if you think you can do any better get up there and she did and she started singing ever since but she started i think she did she like sass the singer like she like cackled (laughs) and she's just like you can't sing and um and then she played a version of benny king's um please don't play that song yeah and and then the nightclub owner was just so impressed by Millie's performance. And she has no vocal training, by the way. She, like, will tell you in, like, countless interviews that zero, zero training. And she did such a great job. He asked her to come back. And then it started a her singing career, essentially, because then she became um, a nightclub singer. Uh, she even had, like, a little um, deal at MGM Records. She recorded a single. Didn't really work out. 
Um, but she did tour with someone that was very important to the history of R&B. And that was Sam Cooke's brother, right? Yeah, Elsie. Um, so, yeah, she, she, and I mean, the elephant in the room here is that Millie is not someone who is really known um, to white audiences, but she's incredibly important, I think, um, in music, in history. Um, besides being an R&B singer, she, she covered several different genres mm -hmm. and she's also uh, known as the godmother to rap. She, you know, had a lot of influence, especially on female rappers that I'm sure we'll get into and talk about as the podcast goes on, but she's just marvelous. And her, her big thing that she's known for is that Millie is uh, a bit raunchy, <laughs> which I love. <laughs> oh, she is amazing. She and she's is also amazing. very like, cause she's very playful, but she's also very, what's the word I want to use? Very, um, well, she's very profane. Soulful. Yeah, she is profane. Um, but I think she's real. She's yeah. also like, like she keeps it real in the sense like she doesn't sugarcoat anything. She just says what's on her mind. Absolutely. And she, and she owns it. And she's like, this is me. And, you know, we got to admire more people like that because she, she basically did everything on her own. And she's almost a very, um, like, like everything she did was very much like, her own direction very individualist yeah absolutely and like she directed her band she was very much in charge of everything very hard-working woman like i just i could not admire her more and she managed herself too which mm -hmm. is rare yeah and like she's just an amazing person um and an amazing talent and i love that like with her backstory too um i just love that like she had no singing training or no vocal training because you would think she's like a really like, you know, like has been training for years and she really has it. She, no, she's she, always said that. And it's incredible. Like if you listen to her, like you just wouldn't believe it because she's as good as anybody. Oh my God. She's so talented. Um, such a great singer. Now, when was the first time you heard of Millie Jackson, Mary? So I am a late in life Millie convert. I discovered her a few years ago via MC Light song, Shut the F Up Ho. <laughs> <laughs> um, at the beginning of it, though, she samples the live version of the song All the Way Lover from Millie's album Live and Outrageous, which is a great yes. album. Um, and I just, I heard this really beautiful husky voice saying, I think it's time I started feeling bitchy. I've been too nice for too long. Yep, it's definitely time I get nasty. And as a woman, that one statement just really resonated with me to my core. And I was just like, who is this woman? So I did some digging and learned about Millie Jackson. And I've just kind of been obsessed with her ever since. That's so interesting because it, it's always funny how artists that you've um, you like, like someone like MC Light, it, it's always more fun for me to go back and do like a lineage of like who influenced MC yes. Light, and then you find out it's Millie Jackson, and you're like, who is Millie Jackson? And then you kind of like do some listening and some more digging, and you're like, wow, like she's really talented, and and you could see it so much clearer. Oh, absolutely. And especially like, um, you know, and again, we'll talk about this more, but just a lot of the female 
rap genre that came after like they really need to give millie like they owe her a debt of gratitude uh, because she was such a huge influence on them absolutely and she's just so um so talented but she's so smart too like everything she does is so calculated oh yeah and it looks spontaneous but it's absolutely not i think it's the the opposite i think she's she's very um calculated in everything she does my first i'll just tell the listeners who the first time i heard of millie jackson and that was um i was making a playlist for name that tune and it's a game i play every saturday afternoon with a bunch of music friends who are bloggers and podcast hosts and i was doing some research and i was looking up um cover songs for a category i was doing and i wanted to do a foreigner song and i saw that isaac hayes and millie jackson did a version of feels like the first time and i was like wait what isaac hayes covered foreigner and then i was like whoa and it was really good it was like a disco song or version yeah and it was so much fun. And I was just like, who is this Millie Jackson? And then I asked Mary and I was like, and she's like, oh, here you go. <laughs> and then she gives me one of the greatest gifts in the history of, well, our friendship. And that was um, at, at the album, I think, what is it? Live and Uncensored? Uh, live and Outrageous and Live or, and Uncensored. I can think they're kind of like a double album the way that I've seen it. But yeah, Live yeah. and Outrageous um, is a gift everyone should give themselves. <laughs> oh my God. It's not only a brilliant album. I think it's one of the best live albums ever because it's just so playful and yeah. so much fun. Yeah. Oh my God. And it flows so well like this between the songs. And at the beginning of... <laughs> punk you uh symphony she gives a shout out to the pointer sisters yes i knew that would be um <laughs> make you very happy <laughs> and mary was like nick because when i showed mary that i think that was in february and she's like oh i got something for you and then i started listening <laughs> and i was like what and then like because it the backstory is they performed at the roxy theater i guess in 79 or 80 mm-hmm. right yeah and and uh, the pointer sisters were in the audience and she's like millie i'm gonna cosplay millie she's like shout out to the pointer sisters who are in the audience and they just clean up my songs but i'm raunchier and then i think one of the funniest things that i probably listened to this about a dozen times this week was she said instead of um how long bet you got a chick on the side how long you got a bet you got a chick on the side she'd add god damn it yeah, how long like, you got a bitch on the side god damn it it's so funny and like you could tell like it, like everyone's laughing because it's just so ridiculously funny well it is essentially what she said and it's true she's like all these other female singers talk the way that i do but when it comes to their music they clean it up and she's like you guys won't even buy my records if i don't curse so <laughs> doesn't she say like another line mary that's like brilliant i mean she okay so well, millie jackson's always about, like people will front and say that they won't buy her albums because they're too dirty but then of course they do but then they front and buy like classical albums which is the whole point like the where she leads with the fuck you symphony that she does um but she was just like you know but um it says something to the effect like you guys will play like you listen to this stuff it's like oh yes i'm a fan of batch you know instead of Bach. 
<laughs> I love her so much. And, and that, that song, it's just literally like funk you or fuck you. Yeah, is that fuck how- you. Yeah, it's just or, like, is it literally over and over, and over like about 45 times. I mean, she was like 30 years before CeeLo Green. Oh, yeah. Like said, <laughs> forget you. I, I remember that <laughs> when that came out. Oh, I loved that story. Because then I was like, who is this? Who is this Millie Jackson yeah. that calls out my girls, the uh, Pointer Sisters? And it was just so much fun. And you could tell that the, the Pointer Sisters probably had a ball. Oh, they were yeah. probably laughing and crying. And everybody oh, my in God. that club was having a good time. Every. And, and, that's what's really great about Millie, though. It's like she's so infectious as a live performer. And you can tell, like, she seems like almost like a one of those um, figures who performs at, like, a nightclub. And you can see her, like, just going up to random people and calling them out. Totally. And she's legendary for doing that. And she's totally one of those people that will just be like, uh, so what are you wearing? Why are you with him? Why are you with her? <laughs> You're yeah. just like, oh, shoot. I saw a lot of comments from men who used to go to Millie shows and were saying, like, you know, men don't sit in the front row. Like, <laughs> she's oh, heck call no. you out. <laughs> and, and you don't want to be at Millie's path because no. she will call you out and she'll tell you and keep it real. Oh, yeah. She'll roast you. I would be honored to be roasted by Millie. Um, you know, we should call Millie and be like, roast us, Millie. I'm and she'll be like, sure. Woman, please roast me. Like, <laughs> you, there's a lot of material here for you. <laughs> oh, my God. I love I love it. Um, so, Mary, have you ever seen Millie in, in person or in concert? No, I wish. If I recall, I feel like she had some shows in late 2019 or early 2020. We all know how that ended up for everybody um but if and when she does a live show again like she would be someone i would travel to see um but she kind of does what she wants to do i think she goes out when she feels like it um so we'll see i'm gonna keep an eye on it yeah she still tours like she hasn't released an uh, like a studio album i think in the last 20 years or so but she still actively tours yeah she yeah that sounds about right yeah she goes out just when she feels like it i think i think she said that said as much you know when she's feeling bitchy she yeah, when she's feeling bitchy <laughs> she goes out oh uh, uh, that's one of her the name of her albums too love it, it. um i love it so much um no but i she's always someone that just seems like it would be such a fun concert experience to watch because she just seems like someone that would just bring the energy but then pull you back and pull you in like she knows how to toy with the audience yeah it's such a great way she's a fantastic performer just any clips i've seen of her live she just looked like she i wish i had a time machine like i could go back she just looked amazing and it was hard to find youtube clips by the way of her live performances which i was like very sad about like you could hear the audio of those live albums but i was like so sad how hard it was to find actual like footage of her performing live yeah there are a few like on soul train or the apollo theater and stuff like that but yeah it is harder to find i feel like yeah very difficult to um find it but i just wish that that was more available so mary what is your connection to millie jackson and why do you think she is important uh to you what what about millie's music makes you feel passionate about her yeah so from the minute i heard her say it's time i started feeling bitchy because i've been too nice for too long i knew i'd found a woman's voice that i needed to hear 
every woman can identify with the moment where you realize it being nice and ladylike and all the other things society expects of women um, doesn't really benefit you whatsoever. And in fact, that's a way to control and police women's thoughts and speech. And you Mm -hmm. realize that if you don't toe that line, you're going to get the bitch label. I'm drawn to women who are authentically themselves, who don't allow society to police their speech or their personality and who challenge the notion of how a woman is supposed to look and act by doing what they want and living how they want. And I'm so inspired by Millie because she's such a great example of a woman who is herself and not the packaged caricature of what the music industry and society says is the right way to be a woman. And the more I dig into her music and listen to interviews with her, the more I fall in love with her because she has such a strength and a presence about her that really shines through her music. And she's funny and warm and honest and confident, hardworking, sensual, raunchy, and soulful all at once. And she's really a blueprint of a woman who cannot be labeled and pigeonholed into a certain box. And she has a freedom and fearlessness to her that is a woman I could only hope to emulate in my own life. That's such a beautiful, beautifully put answer. Um, I will say um, one thing that stuck out is this idea that Millie Jackson doesn't like to be... um, put in a box or like have labels and she's always defied expectations on what should be expected of her and whatever the record company wanted her to be she did the opposite or rebelled against it and to me that is so um brave but also you rarely hear of performers doing things on their own terms and still being successful right right and millie it just proves how talented she was and how smart she was um, as, as a performer and a businesswoman. Cause I think, I don't think she gets enough credit for how um, she knows her own worth. Oh, absolutely. And she doesn't take anyone's crap. Um, and she's just so um, great in that aspect. But what you said near is almost exactly how I feel about Millie Jackson. She's just so, someone that is almost speaking to you too like to me like when she's singing a song she's singing directly to the listener and she's telling you a story totally and And she's so lovely i think you know as women like we tend to be cowed kind of down and we don't want to make a scene and we we want to try to fit into that mold in society so when we see women like her going up and just go and screw that and doing what they want to do and what makes them happy regardless of whether it makes her money or it makes her famous like that's so inspiring and it's like oh i can do that too i don't have to be put in a box or fit a certain label i can just do what makes me happy because i'm a person and i have worth and i you know deserve to do what i want which is exactly what she does. Absolutely. And she also came from like very um like very troubled background because her her mother died when she was 2 mm-hmm. and her parents were sharecroppers and um like like she was telling a story in one of the interviews I read that like her mother was like in a fire and she was burned inside 
the house yeah. or something to that extent. It was so tragic and sad to lose a parent that young. And then she basically, you know, had this, the, the like what to do with her life and she ended up becoming more rebellious, but she knew how talented and smart she was that she went with her instincts and her instincts were always right. Yeah, absolutely. And I just think that her story is so inspirational to so many women and people in general, because it's just so like she came from hardly anything and she built like a life and a career on her own terms. Um, now, Mary, would you consider Millie Jackson one of your favorite artists? I would say she's definitely up there for me, especially the deeper I get into her catalog and the more that I learn about her. I just haven't had as much time with her as I have other artists, you know, like in my life. But she's definitely climbing the ranks for me. Um, she never fails, you know, to bring a smile to my face, you know, when I throw her into my headphones. <laughs> <laughs> It's like hit play and then she's going to take care of the rest. Oh, yeah. You're having a bad day. You listen to some Millie. It'll be all right. <laughs> and it's a little bit of some for everyone because she yes. has like the R&B side. Then there's like hilariously funny yeah, spoken word the, moments. That's the thing. Like she gets this raunchy label, but she really like her earlier material is not raunchy at all. It's very soulful, like just really good classic R&B, you know, music. Absolutely. And she's just like one of those performers, like you could see her evolution too. like when she starts off as someone who's, you know, like a almost like Motown inspired, mm -hmm. like a lot of those early singles. And then you kind of see this evolution as she gets deep, like further into the 70s and into the 80s. And she kind of becomes more uh, risque yeah. and more provocative. And I just think that she's just such a wonderful artist and someone that like I like I've listened to so much of her music over the last week or so. And I'm just astounded by the quality is so great. Oh, yeah. She's just I just wish more people knew about her because she's that special and she's that good. Like it, it drives me a little crazy. Like I have friends who are like walking you know encyclopedias when it comes to music and they haven't heard of millie and it's just like that's we've got to remedy that we gotta be the change we've to got get to millie's be the name. change the filthy changed <laughs> <laughs> millie's gonna tell us to go back to the shit yes. <laughs> oh oh my goodness well what qualities do you admire about um, Millie Jackson either it's like a person or a musician was well, a musician like, her voice is just incredible I mean that's obviously the main pull to her once we kind of get over like some of the content of her music she's got the soul of Gladys Knight and the yes. grit of Tina Turner vocally and she's kind of genre fluid which I find really mm -hmm. fascinating um, she takes a lot of risk. Um, the bulk of her work is R&B, but she does funk, disco, there's country, there's proto-hip-hop, there's some kind of synthy 80s pop. I just, I love that she does what she wants musically. She doesn't really stick to any one thing. 
And I also really love her performance style. Uh, she honestly has kind of a, a masculine presence on stage. And I don't mean that in a negative way at all. It's just if you look at her body language, she's very confident and very in charge in the way that she moves. And while she's a very beautiful woman and she's often talking about sex, her performances aren't sexual. Um, there isn't anything there really that's catering to the male gaze, even though she's talking about sex. And that's a really interesting tightrope to walk. Like, I just, I think she's so talented, you know, with the way that she's able to do that. She's balancing so many different things thematically and musically and i think it's one of the most admirable things about her is that she's able to like you said be genre fluid in the sense like she just does whatever she wants and whatever she's in the mood for that's what she records and to me it doesn't feel like it doesn't feel like anyone's pressuring her to do that it doesn't feel like she's stressed out about it it's like eh, i just feel like in recording an entire album with isaac hayes and oh now i feel like doing like a country thing and now i feel like doing like a whole spoken word thing Thing. you know she just kind of yeah it's very organic and i'm like i said i'm drawn to authenticity and artists who are just being natural and just enjoying themselves like you want an artist who's enjoying what they do and that's um that comes across with her to me absolutely she has like a rock and roll spirit about her um and she said in um a, a few interviews that she would actually have loved to have done more rock and roll records if if like she had the opportunity to go back and change things but she's definitely someone that i embody with rock and roll music as like you were saying like very organic and also very um anti-authority but also like just experimenting with things and trying to like go against the status quo and yeah. i don't know there's just something about her that just feels very much in the spirit of rock and roll absolutely and you mentioned gladys knight <laughs> and i will say if you close your eyes and you didn't know and you played the record to someone and you play like my man a sweet man mm -hmm. or all i got is what you need um those those songs you would swear that those are Gladys Knight songs. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I, I feel bad. I try not to compare women to each other because everybody no. is an individual and unique, but she really does sound so much like Gladys. And there are some tracks too, where I think she sounds like Tina Turner. Like she's got, Oh my goodness. Yes. And that grit, like she very easily, if she had wanted to do more rock and roll, like, you know, what people think of traditional rock and roll, um, she certainly could have done that absolutely and it's funny because like her record label kept saying that she sounded too much like Gladys Knight and they didn't know how to really um distinguish her from Gladys and <laughs> Millie came up with the idea of well I'm gonna sound rawer but I'm also gonna um uh use profanity and vulgarity and I just love how she 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 said about her and Gladys, she's like, maybe it's a Georgia thing. And I'm going to quote Millie Jackson. I just started cursing because she's too much of a lady to do that. We got away from her then. It's all Gladys's fault. She said to me straight to hell. <laughs> <laughs> Millie is so great with that quote because uh, she's saying basically that she had to 
adapt to something different to stand out. But she's also adding like a little bit of humor. And that's what's so great about Millie Jackson is that she doesn't take herself too seriously, but it's hilarious. Well, but it's true, though. She had to do that, though. If that's just classic, like, music industry label stuff, like, we don't know how to market you, like, because we can't package you neatly, like, you know, um, or we're not creative enough to be able to have two women who kind of sound, you know, the same, but they're doing their own things and are separate people with separate careers. Uh, and I know Millie doesn't care, like, she's fine with her, her cursing and you know kind of you know more raunchy stuff but it's a shame like you know the industry could have pushed her to have to do that yeah and you mentioned tina turner too and i thought like she had that like rawness that tina yeah. has too and it's like very almost like primitive yeah there's the way like the a very tina explosive sings. quality to it yeah and i i just think the gladys knight thing just makes me laugh because <laughs> she's, she's <laughs> she haunts me lady. gladys <laughs> <laughs> i just love that she says like in every interview she's like gladys haunts me and you're just like like millie we love you I um know, we do and she makes me laugh too because like literally in the in, in everything she'll say when she's comparing someone it's always like a joke yeah and I think it's a special type of person that could do that. Well, that's the thing. I don't ever get the sense that she's bothered. Like one of the things that struck me when I saw the Tina Turner documentary, there was a bit of sadness at the end. Like I kind of felt like maybe Tina, like she's obviously done all right towards the end of her life, but I did sense a sadness with her that she wasn't fully able to maybe do what she wanted to do and felt mm -hmm. pressure from like fans and the music industry but with millie like it never feels like that with her she has such a great attitude like she just laughs about everything like um and it just kind of is what it is with her and you know you love seeing that with an artist i never want you know my pleasure to come at the expense of an artist's happiness and with millie it just feels like she's just having a good time no matter what she does Oh, she absolutely does. Um, I did want to ask, what do you think is uh, Millie Jackson's place among the great R&B performers of the 1970s and the 1980s? And how does Jackson subvert our expectations of both genre and gender? So without question, I would rank her right alongside her peers from that era. And I think her vocal chops are just as wonderful as Patti LaBelle, the Pointer Sisters, Gladys Knight, and even artists like Curtis Mayfield. And she really has the most incredible powerful voice and as far as expectations i mean i feel like she was so unique with a lot of the spoken word that she was doing in her songs yeah and even like something that i thought was really interesting about billy jackson that puts her right in line with curtis mayfield and uh marvin gay of like especially from the 1970s is that she did a lot of concept albums yeah. and they were some a lot of times very socially politically uh, conscious and astute analysis of black life and middle class life in the 1970s yeah. and i think that that's really something that doesn't get said enough about millie jackson and she's right up there and if you listen to like her breakout song which is a child of god yes. yeah a child of god mm -hmm. it's hard to believe she's basically like calling out the hypocrisy of um people who preach religion but also do like 
questionable things. Of course, yeah. And she's so she's an astute social critic that doesn't get lumped into that because people see her as like this raunchy, uh, profane performer. And she might be, but there's also when you're when you're looking at her more closely, you see someone who very much aware of what's happening and commenting on it as both a woman and a person of color at that time yeah absolutely um and i think it's so interesting too how um like the pointer sisters because i've done a lot of research on them i think it's interesting how they're also uh, genre fluid too in the sense that they could just go to different genres like you were saying before and kind of do whatever they wanted and still achieve the same amount of success yeah yeah. And I think that's amazing that Millie could do that. Yeah, and it just there wasn't a genre really she couldn't tackle. She sounded amazing no matter what she did. Um, you know, to have that disgusting amount of talent. <laughs> I know, it's I like they could imagine. do it all. Yeah. <laughs> it's like it, but that just shows how versatile they are as performers, but also it just shows that how talented they are. Yeah, absolutely. Because I'm saying both, of course, the Pointer Sisters, because I have to praise them. Yeah, you're not um, biased at all. <laughs> well, you know, I uh, try to not be biased. No, the Pointer but... Sisters are just such a wonderful band, and they, you know, or group they've had. And it's just like, you you know, we're talking about the genre fluid thing. It, there's, there was nothing they couldn't tackle either, so. I did want to mention something that... Um, I, I know we're going to have a lot to talk about with this. It is um, her album covers, because I think that that's one of the ways that she subverts our understanding of 70 soul performers, because how do we want to phrase this, Mary? It's very provocative and risque. <laughs> there are some that are very provocative and risque. And it's funny, like some of her albums, I mean, because Millie's a very attractive woman. Some of them yes, are just is. typical, like she's just, you know, a beautiful woman in the 70s with a big afro and things. But then her concept album, Caught Up, is hilarious because like the cover is just the spider web with the man in the middle and the other woman on one side and the wife on the other, you know, and then, you know, you get into later albums. One of my favorites, uh, back to the shit, <laughs> which is just, how, how should we describe this? Nick? Millie is sitting on the toilet, right? Yes. That's the album. <laughs> And yes. she's just on like wear down around her ankles with this uh, <laughs> strained look on her face, and it just—it's kind of <laughs> brilliant because it's such a masculine thing to do. Again, and we're talking about this masculine energy. Like, what can a woman get away with doing? Like, this is not something women do, right? They don't talk about being in the bathroom, going to the bathroom. Um, but there she is on her album cover just in the front <laughs> and i was sending you when we were talking about it earlier this week um sent you a tweet where they were talking about provocative album covers by black women and of course they talked about um you know megan cardi for wap they talked about the infamous little kim you know mm -hmm. album cover where she squatted down with her legs spread and then they talked about back to the <laughs> shit that was another one like another iconic but yeah it's about these women who are putting it all out there and then there's the feeling bitchy album where you know she's got a very sexually provocative kind of facial expression with her tongue out you know <laughs> so 
I will say too, I didn't realize Back to the Ship was 1989. Yeah. I thought that was much earlier. <laughs> and then when I looked at it again today, I was like, holy mackerel, that's <laughs> way later. Oh, what's the other? Oh, the ESP, the extra sexual persuasion where she's <laughs> over the crystal ball and everything is amazing. Um, Though the just a little bit country where she's like dressed up in country garb with the white horse. Yeah, she's got she's got some album covers are pretty amazing. I will say, I wonder, like, with the photographers and the people that work to create those album covers, I wonder how long it took to, like, perfect. <laughs> because Millie's also a perfectionist, yes. too. And everything she does is uh, very manipulated oh, to, yeah. to what she wants it to be. And I can just imagine her spend, like, all day, like, you've got to get the right pose. <laughs> 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 She's just like, you know, I just think to myself, like, those poor cameramen and... Oh, yeah. Uh, photographers they probably were just like i thought we were just taking a photo of her Could you for imagine two seconds if you're a photographer and it's like okay i have a concept for this album cover <laughs> <laughs> this is what it is <laughs> it's so hilarious yeah. oh but you know but she's she's just such a wonderful talent and she's also a great live performer and oh, i yeah. think that's the other thing that i i think that she fits right in with um curtis mayfield and labelle and the Pointer Sisters, of course, and Marvin Gaye is like just a great live performer. Well, you can totally see just like, um, you know, like working class black families going, you know, having a date night out and going to these clubs and seeing her and just, you know, enjoying themselves and having a good time and laughing. Like you can just feel it even through her live albums. You can feel the energy in the room. And just that everyone's just having like the time of their life. Oh my god, when they laugh, they laugh. Oh yeah, like it's <laughs> yeah. like you know when you go to a Millie Jackson concert, like you're getting like a show. You're not just getting uh, a co a show or a concert. You're getting like an experience. Yeah, it's a whole experience. Like again, you can't really label her. And, you know, it's funny. You know, a lot of people say that women aren't funny, which is obviously not true. But like, especially like if you listen to her live albums and hear like the laugh she's getting, it's just it's totally incredible. And she makes me laugh. Like oh, when yeah. I was listening, like I was at work and I'm listening on my headphones um, during my off desk time. And I'm just literally like crying, like <laughs> tears in my eyes because it's so ridiculously funny. I told and you know, she can't help it either. Like she's just naturally funny. Yeah, she is naturally funny. Like I told Eric, like it just gives me pleasure deep in my soul knowing Nick is somewhere like binge listening to Millie Jackson and that I brought that into his life. <laughs> Your full corruption that I've done over the last year and a half. <laughs> I said it to one of my coworkers. I said, Oh, I'm gonna be talking about Millie Jackson. And he's like, oh, which Jackson member is that? And I'm like, it's Miss Jackson, but even nasty. Yeah, no, she literally is the nasty Miss Jackson. Like, Janet is, like, tame compared yeah. to Mike. We, Mike never. we like you, Mike, but Janet is, like, nowhere near the, the, the nasty that uh, Millie per, uh personifies it's well, so funny and it's funny because on her wikipedia page like it literally says at the bottom like she's not related to like the jacksons <laughs> <laughs> just to clarify and then they say from gary indiana you're like well who else <laughs> like who else are you referring oh, to the jacksons up the street okay 
<laughs> oh my goodness. That's so great. Um, so Mary, um, one of the things about Millie Jackson that we were talking about before is that she's really not a well-known artist to mainstream audiences. And I think a lot of that is because she didn't get a lot of radio play because her songs were very risque and mm -hmm. controversial and provocative, but they were also very long. Like her songs could either be like yeah. three minutes or 12 minutes. Yeah. It's, and sometimes they were like six or seven, but she never really made music that was really radio friendly. Yeah. So I'm just curious... Like, why do you think that her records either weren't played or they didn't sell as many records as maybe she could have? Because she has all the talent in the world. Yeah. So I think, so there's a few factors. Some of that it is, you know, it definitely, I think one, just the general overall like difficulty that women and especially women of color face in the music industry with getting their music played. Um, like look no further than the country industry now uh, where we mm -hmm. see marvelous women like Mickey Guyton struggling to get radio stations to play her music. And, you know, Millie was also with a fairly small label. I think that contributed to it. Um, you know, they're Absolutely. not, you know, doing the big pushes like Motown and some stacks and some of these bigger labels. And two, I think the music industry short circuits when they can't fit an artist into a neat box. Um, and Millie is not somebody that you can really slap a singular identity on in order to market her. And three, which is, I think reflexively is what most people would assume is like the content of her music. And it's not mm -hmm. just because the language itself was explicit but Millie was singing about topics like being the other woman. She was normalizing mm -hmm. women wanting oral sex. She was encouraging women to dump men who don't do that. <laughs> it's good for her. Um, or, you know, taking a friend to get an abortion. And she didn't sing about those things in a shameful or a coy way. She was very much proud and confident in her words and i think a woman standing up for herself and encouraging women to stand up for themselves and not feeling ashamed or bad about herself is like it's something that's just verboten in our society and you know they are lengthy songs too like because a lot of them she goes into the spoken word thing but we've seen you know a lot of male music where they can cut out chunks you know, to make it a little more radio friendly. Something that you said stuck, a few things stuck out. One was that she was on Spring Records, mm -hmm. and that's not a major label. So she got all the freedoms of being like an independent artist in a way. But one of the downsides of that is because she was her own manager and the producers and the record executives kind of let Millie do whatever she wanted, she didn't really factor in commercial appeal mm -hmm. to her her repertoire sound and that's always one of the great mysteries i always think about with millie jackson is if she tamed it down just a little bit in the 70s i think she could have been just as big as patty labelle or any of her contemporaries probably so but then it's like is it going to take away from the essence of who she is which i think yeah that's that's the thing is, is like she didn't sacrifice her art for her like her appreciation of her own art as an artist so i think that that that's the one downside too is that she got to do it on her own terms which i think is even, even more admirable oh yeah think about it, almost half a century later that a black woman basically could do whatever she wanted almost yeah absolutely but, 
independent label and just got to still achieve success. I mean, I don't want to discount Millie Jackson's commercial success by any means. She had she was a genre specific artist and she was really on the R&B charts, but she had top 10 hits and top 10 albums and yeah, she you had know, a few gold albums and stuff too i mean yeah. she certainly I, you know she rode kind of the middle of the the pack there she definitely was like comfortable as like a a, a genre artist like like but but i think that that's what is so sad is that people didn't get to discover her at her prime because yeah. i think she even if she remains who she was and thank god because millie's amazing <laughs> yeah um like, I think she could have been a really big star. Yeah, I agree. And then, but then you wonder if she got more famous, would labels have pressured her to either be like gratuitously filthy, which she was already a little bit there, <laughs> or to tame <laughs> it down just so that they could have like a wider audience that they could market to? It's hard to know. It's so hard to, to know. And like, and I if... think she would have done really well. Like, if she were starting now, I feel like. Like she would be blowing up because she's hilarious she's talented like if she could just have put her stuff out on youtube or tiktok she'd probably be a gazillionaire you know this point. oh my god we should make billy a gazillionaire that'd be everything <laughs> yeah. she would she would probably like say thank you that she'd like laugh and exactly. her laugh by the way it's so infectious she like every time laugh like i know she <laughs> would be like she's that relative that you like kind of want to fight to sit next to like at thanksgiving oh my God, like yes. i like whatever it takes i'm gonna sit next to aunt millie all night and you're like aunt millie play one of your records <laughs> <laughs> and then it's like adults only get the kids out of there <laughs> oh I god I... all the stories i read like you know like if you go in youtube comments sometimes they can be horrific but sometimes they're funny but you know people talking about like i remember my parents had this record and like they hid it in the liquor cabinet <laughs> you know or they like would hide it and us kids would find it and play it like when our parents weren't around like you know i just i love hearing those stories it's so great because it's like it's a, another way for people to like discover the music oh, yeah. but there's also that curiosity factor because you're like wait why are they so um possessive of the music and why right. do they not want me to listen to it and then you listen to it and you're like okay maybe they have a reason <laughs> the thing that millie jackson is best known for now is that she's seen as the godmother or mother of rap and that's kind of like her main claim to fame if a modern day audience knows who millie jackson is and they should because yeah. you know millie's a, a great um so i'm just curious like how millie can be seen as the mother of rap music and have people sampled her music over the years or said that she was an inspiration to rappers because i think that that's so fascinating yeah it's totally On that so evolution levels. as far as the sampling like obviously i found millie through an mc light sample that's how i found her and she's been sampled by people like the wu-tang clan uh mm -hmm. 50 cent several other rappers and like there's just there's no question if you listen to her music that she was this early influence because she's doing a lot of spoken word to music and then especially on a track like i had to say it um she's just straight up doing rap like curtis blow like you hear that evolution of what would become artists like curtis blow and roxanne shante through her music is that the one mary that it's like a parody 
somewhat of uh, Rapper's Delight yeah. by Shira Hokang. Yeah. That is so funny because she's basically rapping on that album. That's 1980. Yeah. And it's so fascinating to me how um, that didn't catch on as much as it should have because it's brilliant the way that she's... Because the song, um, uh, uh, the I had to say it, is basically about her chastising black men for marrying or dating white women. Right. And she's kind of like taking this parody of a song like Rapper's Delight that is so much in the public consciousness, even at that era, because it was just such a huge monster novelty song at that time. And she made it into this like social commentary using something that like people know about with like that song and i think that that's just such a brilliant well and that's just the essence of rap isn't it it's about social it's about commenting on social issues um and she's just she's brilliant at it she's really good and um i just definitely like if you're a fan of rap and you don't know about millie like you need to start doing your research because she is definitely one of those important um, precursors absolutely and then like even like all the way lover which is a raunchy song too because is that the one about oral sex <laughs> they're all about oral sex but yes. <laughs> actually that's a stupid question they're all about <laughs> oral sex um no that one's also like one that when i was listening to over the last few days it clearly is like has moments of rap yeah. and like minutes on end where she's just talking to the, the audience oh yeah and it's so great yeah, and I mean, you know, like rap coming out of like funk and R and B, it's just the perfect fit. Like you hear it in um the speed with which she sings, you can kind of start hearing that evolution happening, you know? Absolutely. And I think it's almost like prophetic. Like like she's like a prophet figure for like these rap figures. Cause then like when rap explodes later in the decade in the mid eighties, you're like, Whoa, she was like a visionary. Yeah. Like and she's just such a um forward-thinking artist and i think that that's what i admire the most about her is that she's always taking those chances and she's like maybe it'll work maybe it won't but i'm enjoying what i'm doing and to me those are always the best kinds of artists because they're not playing it safe totally not um and I, i and i think something i did want to mention to you that i want to get your take on because you showed this to me the other day is that sprite commercial yeah from like the late 90s because Okay, we got to talk about that because that is just an amazing commercial. I I had forgotten about it, but in 1999, there was a Mm -hmm. Sprite ad campaign um, based on the five deadly venoms. And I need to scroll down because I do have like notes written on it. Yes. But (laughs) Millie is in this um, commercial with all these other female rappers and it's a Kung Fu themed thing. And it really is a nod to her being the master of female rap. Yeah, so um, it was Roxanne Shante, who is a woman mm-hmm. who should absolutely be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame as an early Hell influence. Yeah. You can hear um, Millie's influence on her. Um, but Eve, Angie Martinez, Emile, and Mia X are in this commercial. And, um, you know, each woman gets her own. And then at the end, there's this main commercial with all the women fighting like this, um, you know, villain, whatever. And then there's a master and the face changes and it's Millie. So it's this really nice nod um, to her role in the rap community. Whoever made that decision to make 
uh, Millie, the headmaster, needed to get a raise. Yes. Yeah. Because, like, they did their research and they were correct in that Millie is really the mother of these female rappers. Yeah, and it's nice, you know, for them to acknowledge that and just give her the due that she deserves. Absolutely. And I just love, too, how um, female rappers are always so appreciative and you, you'll see countless interviews with like Roxanne Shante and Debrat and Eve yeah. that will just speak. Um, even Mary J. Blush, I've I read an interview in Rolling Stone where she was talking about Millie Jackson as like an influence and like this figure that they looked up to. And I love that these these female rappers are looking to uh, Millie not only as an artist but also like as a businesswoman and as a figure, like a, an inspiration to be right like her well and just a black woman who's confident um who has not allowed herself to be abused and pushed around by the industry and i'm sure she faced you know the typical things we would think a black woman would face in the music industry but she really comes across as like um that she's very sure of herself and very confident and has kind of made it out with her soul intact it's like and you rarely hear that uh, especially like a woman especially a woman in the music industry you never really hear stories like that where like they just did whatever they wanted essentially and yeah she may not be like a billionaire the most like right famous or or the most successful but she's happy and like even like when you see interviews with her today she's just like content she's like i don't need like a 20 million dollar house like i'm fine where yeah, i am she's just I living in atlanta living her best life <laughs> and that was like her whole thing of what i think made her hungry as a performer is when she was a single mother when she was raising kasha in the mid to late 60s it gave her like a drive and like a motivation and determination to never um settle for something like always work hard and if you do that you'll get exactly what you want yeah now, I did want to mention a follow-up question because I think this is totally related, um, is that one of the biggest hits of last year was Cardi B and Megan Thee Stallion's Monster Smash WAP. Yes. Um, it was named by many critics and fans as the best single of last year. How did Jackson's discography influence the success of WAP and other female rappers in recent years? So this may get a little uncomfortable <laughs> but the biggest influence specifically when we talk about WAP is not only sex being talked about openly but specifically an open discussion on women's sexuality and what satisfies mm -hmm. women I mean we all know what the acronym WAP stands for at this point and I think it's amazing that in 2020 2021 controversial to talk about a woman being aroused and sex and millie was out there in the 70s talking about sex very openly what women enjoy during sex and specifically openly talking about women wanting and enjoying oral sex which is still a taboo subject in pop culture i could mm -hmm. probably name only a handful of movies where a woman getting oral sex is shown on camera it's just not something that is depicted compared to men getting it and a show like game of thrones will show like 
unlimited rape scenes but i think there's exactly like two scenes of a woman getting oral pleasure and of course they cut away from it you know as fast as they can you know other than rappers like megan the stallion you don't really hear women singing or talking about this and you're certainly not going to hear men talking about it or celebrating it so it was revolutionary for millie to be out there keeping it real and just saying what we all know which is that women want to be satisfied and what it takes for us to get there. So, and on their own terms. Yeah, absolutely. Did you think that this was the conversation we would be having into our friendship this early? You know, (laughs) um, no, but you know, it was, I think it's a good conversation to have because it's like, why is this so taboo to discuss? There are so many songs and movies and everything in pop culture about men getting oral pleasure. But like one of the big things Millie talks about is the partay, you know, that a man <laughs> needs to partay. And if he doesn't dump him. <laughs> oh, I love, I love it. It is oh. good for women to hear that. It's good for women to hear, like, yes, your sexuality matters too. You being turned on matters too. And I think that's where you see the big influence on WAP. And you see just the reaction that WAP caused and how angry it made people, especially men. It made them very angry. They don't want to hear about this in music, they don't want to hear women taking charge of their sexuality and talking about it in that way so it's pretty fascinating honestly it's because men are intimidated by women especially when they have no control over their them as sexual beings right and especially black women are not supposed to be you know and i Mm -hmm. I use this term you know uh malvy you know or angry you know you get the angry black woman trope there's a line from one of Millie Jackson's songs that I'm going to read because I think it perfectly captures the influence on WAP, uh, subconsciously or consciously. Um, we'll let Cardi B and Megan uh, decide. Um, it's from The Rap, and it's about a, a woman who is having an affair with a married man. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to read this because this is the spoken word part of the song. When you're going with a married man, he could come over two or three times a week and give you a little bit that means you're up to you're too up on the wife because after you're married you only get it once a week and then she says on payday he could come over give you a little bit of bread too and i like that but the sweetest thing about the whole situation when you go to the laundromat you don't have to wash nobody's funky drawers but your own (laughs) mic drop I I love that so much. And she got picketed for that. Like it was a Mm -hmm. huge controversy that she said, you know, funky drawers and like was talking that openly and like in this very braggadocious way about being the other woman and just kind of being so casual and out there with it. I'm not saying cheating's great, but you know, on a revolutionary standpoint of just her being out there talking about this stuff so openly is pretty amazing. Well, do you think it's also too Mary because like the other woman quote-unquote is always almost always villainized but she's not really villainizing them but as much as just saying like this exists and then this is their representation well and i think it's the same old you know whether it's the other woman or the wife which this the song is from the concept (laughs) album caught up and on the one side she plays the role of the other woman and then on the flip side she plays the wife 
of, of the man in question who's doing all this cheating but she i think people are complicated and she's just kind of pointing to that people are complicated and they're not just one thing it's not just evil and it's not just good you know and that's kind of what this album covers yeah and it's very like deliberate attempt by her but it's also very smart because she's showing both sides so she doesn't just get targeted as oh you're just agreeing with the wife or you're agreeing with the mistress she's like no these are both sides and then i'll let the listener decide who they agree with when really we should be mad at the man who's cheating yes (laughs) that is that would actually be a total milly answer is you blame the man it's like why is everybody villainizing the women in this the man is the one cheating i know we yeah that's actually very true because that's really the villain in this whole situation he's caught up in the web or the (laughs) album cover (laughs) oh my god now i'm thinking that that album cover is a metaphor for something else oh my god no when millie's album covers i don't think that's much of a stretch (laughs) love it oh my god but yeah she's such an influence on rap and i just love like even her live shows like she speaks so fast and like even if it's not rap it's almost like gil scott heron in the sense like he's just like that's the way he operates and that's the way like that's just millie being millie like she's not putting on a show per se that's just like part of her dna as a performer yeah you just kind of feel like you're out with your girlfriends like and you've got the one really fabulously like raunchy girlfriend who's like telling you all these stories that's what it feels like when you're listening to her (laughs) oh she could tell me any story any day of the week (laughs) like you get like your tea or coffee or beer oh yeah and you're set and you're good to go um i did want to ask you a a question um so jackson's songs often feature humorous spoken word stories that are raunchy and taboo some people have even labeled her as the quote-unquote female richard Pryor. do you believe those who call her comedian is fair or do you think it does a disservice to her legacy i i made this question but i kept getting very bothered that she was always going to compare to other men and she couldn't just be millie jackson right and that's the typical it's just society they want to label people right like if you can't figure someone out you're trying to label them and you mm-hmm. and I, so this question was the one that was most thought provoking of the ones that you sent me. And you and I had a bit of back and forth about this. I I don't personally think that it does a disservice to her legacy per se, um, especially because Millie herself has said like she loves making people laugh like she's done that since she was a kid. But I don't think slapping the label of comedian on her is accurate either. Yeah, I think trying to slap any kind of label on her is ultimately not going to fit because she's just so unique and what she does is unique. But she's definitely not like a stand up comic in the sense that you would think of. Um, And I think the comparison of her to Richard Pryor or Red Fox isn't accurate either because that just strikes me as like they're black and they curse. So they must all be alike. Right. Like it just um, doesn't fit to me. If I were to compare her to anyone, it would be Rudy Ray Moore, a.k.a. Dolomite. Uh, yes. Both of them tell these explicit, humorous stories such to music, and both are labeled as hip-hop pioneers. But I think even that's kind of where the similarities end. 
you know, she's just kind of this R&B focused multi-genre singer who happens to be really funny within her music. And I do think part of what makes her so brilliant is the humor she weaves in and out of her music. So I don't want to discount, you know, the comedic part at all. You know, shared laughter is so powerful. And I think humans have used humor since the dawn of time to explore topics that are risque or controversial or taboo. And comedy is such an effective tool to bring people's defenses down so they actually listen to what's being said. And nobody wants to be mad or sad or heartbroken, but people want to laugh and making people laugh is not easy uh, like at a group like that so Millie being able to create this career where she's able to be raw and soulful and really pulling out your heartstrings but then also making you laugh like with her spoken word that's such a gift and that's one of the things I admire her about her the most absolutely and I think that when I wrote the question, I was kind of like, because I kept seeing like, she's funny or comedian. And I'm thinking to myself, that's just not her. She's just such a singular artist. Yeah. And that like, it's impossible to even label her anything but R&B almost. Like even then, that's like yeah, almost even questionable. Then it doesn't fully capture who she is as an artist. And yeah, just to, to label her as a comedian, it doesn't quite fit. And even the comedians they compare her with, um, don't quite fit uh like i said rudy ray moore and he has the i think i scandalized you with some of his album covers as well this <laughs> oh my god you traumatized did. nick for life several times that's not the first time <laughs> <laughs> but like you know she the two of them are very similar i think i wrote because i did an all-female ballad a couple years ago and i put millie on there and i said it would be like if gladys knight and rudy ray moore had a baby well, that was kind of how I described her. Um, but that's about the closest um, comedian, per se, that I think fits. But it's really more spoken word. That has I just realized something. If they did have a child, you know what Clyde would have said <laughs> in the delivery room? What? <laughs> You're the best thing that has ever happened to me. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> it wouldn't be Nick if in a conversation with you if there wasn't one dad joke like <laughs> come on i had to kind of i had to kind of say that no um You're like no you had to say it yeah, uh yeah, absolutely <laughs> um but millie's funnier though we will give millie that and she laughs too after her jokes oh my god she does have the best laugh in the world oh my god like and then <laughs> she can say whatever she wants and then she's still like you have to laugh because her laugh is just so infectious i think my so funny favorite was that npr interview that you sent me and she was talking about and this is another thing that kind of makes her a feminist icon because we get threatened all the time like what if you die alone like what if you never get married and like millie has just kind of chosen she was married once and divorced and like she's just been single ever since and she has it in her contract that when she goes on tour she gets a king-size bed and she says she stays on one side of it but if she felt like rolling over twice she could because she doesn't want to run into anyone's rusty heels like <laughs> against her legs in bed like she just wants to be alone and she's fine with that she doesn't need a man no she doesn't like and she doesn't 
and I'm quite sure she's gotten some here and there, although she says, like, um, the band does more than her because she's just off, like, getting her beauty rest. But <laughs> She's beautiful. She doesn't even need but any yeah, rest. Yeah, that's the thing, like, in, and it's so refreshing seeing a woman, like, she's just on her own and she's doing great like you know see ladies we won't wither and die even like the interviewer from the 80s the one from like i think 84 yeah oh my god could we we could just uh complain about her because she's she was annoying but she kept like heart like circling around this idea of like she she because millie jackson was only married for a year right it was like to one of her band members i think the whole marriage and divorce was literally 11 months right and she just kept saying like well, what about the kids? Like, wouldn't they be happy with a father? And she's like, I don't need a man. Right. And the woman's kind of like, are you sure? And she's like, I think I'm getting by just fine. <laughs> yeah, it's it's really wild, like, just in general, being a woman. Like, when other women, like, you can tell, like, it just short circuits when you don't follow, like, the life script, you know, and kind of fall into expectations for women. I think some women have just never thought about it. Like, I don't have to get married. I don't have to have kids. I don't have to do anything. Like some women have just never thought about it. They've just gone and followed the life script. So when they run into someone like Millie, it's like the end of Austin Powers when the fembots explode. Like, you know, like they just can't fathom, like, you know, what's good for one woman's life, you know, isn't the path for another woman. And Millie's just followed her own path. Absolutely. And I think that's like what I think couldn't be wrapped around that interviewer's head is that she wasn't getting the answer of like, oh, no, I wish I had a husband. I think that's what she was ultimately trying to get her to say. Sad, like you don't, you know, have a husband. And like she was also really trying to him Millie into and have her talk about the sex stuff. Which oh my gosh, she like. said sex one more time in that interview. Yeah, and it's like... You'd be drunk. <laughs> yeah, and it's just, you know, they're really, again, and it's that trying to label her and figure her out thing, like, and they really want to push her into this, you know, label of, like, she's just this raunchy woman getting up and talking about sex a lot which she certainly did but she did a lot more than that too like if you wanted just straight you know r&b you know soul type stuff and never hear a word of cursing like you could totally find that within her work like it would be easy it's almost like it like stereotypes her to like only talk about sex right and is she a sex symbol and sex icon and like as like that interviewer bothered me so much too because she just kept like saying like do you think of yourself as sexy it's like i don't know that's a personal question yeah, and it's it it's not even relevant it's not even relevant no. to it has nothing to do with the talent as a musician like they like that that's what made me very bothered in that a a four interview where i was like it's about the music <laughs> well and like it's totally that trying to pigeonhole women into are you a madonna or are you a whore which one are you like you can't be both you can't be a nuanced person can't the real madonna be both no i'm joking (laughs) (laughs) um no you're that's totally right on yeah but i did have another question for you mary um have any of jackson's songs been featured in films or television shows over the years the only movie i'm aware of where her music has been featured is uh black's exploitation movie cleopatra jones her song mm-hmm. hurts so good is in that 
And then, you know, we talked about the Sprite commercial, and that wasn't her music per se. It's just more of her being represented um, in that. But I really... I and I'm sure Quentin Tarantino is aware of her, but like she would have fit in perfectly, like on the Jackie Brown soundtrack. Um, oh my like god, her yes. music's very cinematic, especially the earlier stuff. So I wish there was more. Um, hopefully, someone will pick that up and and um, be wise to her and use her in a soundtrack because her her music's really great. Yeah, and that was a huge pop hit for her. I think that was like her highest, one of her highest charting pop singles mm-hmm. that actually hit the top. 40 in in the um in, on, on the pop charts and yeah like that was the only thing i could find that was really like notable and because i i remember uh watching this is a, a, a story i'm gonna share for a sec because yeah. i was i thought the song sounded really familiar when i heard it last week and i had to take a class in grad school and it was on um women like like post-war feminism but like in popular culture yeah so it'd be like movies and books and whatever and i remember we had to do a, a week on black exploitation we actually watched cleopatra jones because i remember shelly winters was in that movie and yeah. um it like came back to me like then i like remembered it as soon as i heard it and then i was like wait what movie did that came from and i looked it up i was like oh yeah that was definitely cleopatra jones right yes yeah, and that's probably sadly her most famous song i would say if people know her songs yeah yeah i'm hoping like some you know aspiring filmmaker would pick up and use some of her stuff because i mean she has so much material that would just be amazing oh my god it's so good and maybe someone will discover this episode and be like i know you know millie's like fascinating and why are we not talking about millie i know and then they'll be like then we'll see this millie renaissance and that would just be like one of the best things it really would think be of. honestly and then she would get the last laugh <laughs> she really and, would. and then she could and she would laugh <laughs> <laughs> um, so um is millie jackson often um featured on like best of lists like greatest like artists or songs or albums like what is her placement with critics and historians like is she well regarded would you say so I she's funny right because she feels virtually unknown especially in mainstream media I don't know that critics back in the day really knew what to do with her although I feel like generally the reception of her overall was pretty positive and I think historically now that time has passed Millie is pretty well revered by those who are aware of her you know there's writers like Naima Cochran um she did that really lovely you know Sunday sermon um piece on Millie talking about her legacy and there are pieces out there like that I do feel like she gets left out of the conversation on mainstream lists that talk about like the greatest R&B singers of all time which is ludicrous because she was one of the best um but yeah i feel like she doesn't quite get the due she deserves um out there on these lists i've never really seen her crop up on a list again if it hadn't been for mc light thank you mc light also one of the greatest rappers of all time um you know i i wouldn't have been aware millie existed that's actually very true because like she seems like one of those figures where she's like respected by critics but like no one's like making the case or the claim like this is an all-time great artist yeah it almost seems like a very like um like like almost like genre specific artist like how like 
it, 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 it's so sad that like a lot of RB or um, alternative or any kind of genre, they kind of get put in the corner almost yeah. like they're almost like the best kept secret. And it's like, I feel like Millie's probably one of those people that like your favorite band, that's probably their favorite artist, someone like a Millie Jackson, yeah. like someone that they're listening to or getting inspiration from. Cause even like when you said earlier that you learned from it from MC light and I'm sure there's quotes from MC light that sings the praises of Millie sure. Jackson. Yeah. And I-, I just think that like, those are usually like the lineage that you'll see, like the evolution of an artist. Then you could trace it back from MC like Cardi B, let's say, and then back to MC Light, and then go back to Millie Jackson. Right. And don't leave my girl Lil' Kim out, because she's uh, right up there. Yeah, I feel like Lil' Kim gets the shaft. So, you know, another woman who it's like a clear legacy, you know, going down, and who obviously was influential also to Cardi and Meg. Um, But yeah, it's funny, the only list I've ever seen Millie on was like worst album covers, and Back to the Shit was on there, and it's like, y'all have lost your mind, because that's like one of the best album covers of all time. (laughs) That is one of the best album covers. It really is. Like, it's so, like, because I think a bad album cover is something that's forgettable. Right. You'll never forget that. that. No, you can't. It's like, well, she is a shitster, that Millie Jackson. She is, and I love, like, this is just such a small detail, but, like, one of her shoes is off and she's holding it. Like, I'm like, (laughs) I don't know whose creative direction that was, but it's still brilliant somehow. It just looks like the worst end to a drunken night ever. (laughs) Oh, my God. It is literally one of my favorite things, that album cover, because it's just, it's so ridiculous like like just like she looks like she's in pain but she's also like kind of smiling yeah too. yeah and you, you just have to love her because she is so um playful totally. with her but i will say that like i think she's well regarded by critics i just think that like she's just so much of like an obscure artist yeah and it's just such a shame well, that and i think like, the elephant in the room here is like she um is not i mean the black community knows about Millie Jackson and has for years. Mm -hmm. I think the problem where we get into is like, you know, I mean, you and I are two white people sitting here discussing Millie Jackson, but like we really had to work to find her. And it was kind of by accident, really. Um, She feels like this best kept secret. Um, And I just, you wonder how much like, you know, just the mainstream media controls like these artists being talked about. It feels like you get the same artists thrown at you all the time. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And like, it just, it just seems like such a shame uh, that she's just not as well known. And I just want this like Millie Renaissance to happen. We're going to tell all the whiteies about (laughs) Millie. Like it's our duty. (laughs) It's like, hey, we've all been sleeping on this amazing lady, so. And by the way, if Millie Jackson, if you are listening, please tell, like, tell us, you know, give us a shout out, but also like, give us a, a joke or two yes. at our expense. We'll, we'll, we'll take it. You can roast me. I would love it. <laughs> that would be a, a dream. Like Millie Jackson roasting me. Oh my god. She, she would. Uh, she would have a field day probably. I would love it. Um, I will ask you, Mary. Um, has she been nominated or awarded by institutions like like has she 
been inducted into any Hall of Fames or... So she was nominated for one Grammy in 1974, and it was for mm -hmm. um, Best Female R&B Vocal Performance for If Loving You Is Wrong, I Don't Want to Be Right. That's probably another one of her better known songs. Yes. And she was inducted into the Rhythm and Blues Hall of Fame in 2015. Um, so a little bit of recognition, but sadly, like, no big awards. What if we like nominated that? her for the Kennedy Center? Like, can you imagine like that performance? Gloria Estefan <laughs> and LL Cool J Hostin. And here on the stage is this tribute performance to Millie Jackson. I see Millie Jackson sitting oh God, in front I... of the president and and they just <laughs> do just this whole routine. Happy. Die happy. And then Garth Brooks is sitting next to her <laughs> oh and just with his cowboy hat, you just be like, no. That can't happen. Oh my god. Actually, wait, I'm wrong. That needs to happen. No, it absolutely needs to happen. I mean, yeah. I would love to see uh Millie get more recognition, especially by institutions. Like, um even like that that song that parodied uh Rapper's Delight, um uh, I had to say what was it, it yeah. If I had to say it, like that should be on like the songs list that influenced rock and roll. Sure. Because you could clearly see how like that the way she uh, did the verses and the rhymes, it's a clear indication to me of how she influenced like almost every female rapper, like even Salt and Peppa, uh, Lil Kim, Party sure. B, Eve. Like it, it just seems so obvious. Yeah, I um, think it would be really cool to have something like the Grammy Hall of Fame or even like the mm. Library of Congress. Um, you know start inducting some of these songs or her albums because i think they're absolutely worthy of putting in there with her influence is there any album you think that would probably get a consideration or a single oh for God. the grammy hall of fame um, because i feel like the grammy hall of fame they're a little bit more um eclectic with their taste so like it wouldn't be out of the question to see someone like a Millie jackson get an album or song inducted if i had to pick one album probably i would think it's caught up yeah i was gonna say the same because that actually got certified as gold it was pretty high on the charts like for you know what that time and what it was and you know feeling bitchy is another really good one but i would say caught up just because it's so unique it's this concept album um, and I know a lot of people have that album and, you know, really revere it. I feel like, you know, um, critics really liked it. Like, that would be the one I would put in if I had to choose an album of hers. Yeah, it went to the uh, pop charts. It hit number 21. Mm -hmm. And that's her highest chart in album. Um, although the, like, the fan in me would say, let's do Feeling Bitchy. Yeah. But my heart and mind is probably saying, you know, it should be caught up yeah and, music and i love that her follow up those songs i love her follow-up album is still caught yes, up yes and it's still the same it's more they're still having the struggle <laughs> but i think the funniest part is like like on the first album caught up you see like this very like you know like it's a spider web and it's the man and yeah the mistress and the wife and then the next album that's still caught up it's just literally like a close-up shot of her oh I think yeah that that's and it's a really brilliant. beautiful photo of her too she's a very attractive woman oh she is such a, a stunning woman yeah she is like she's a, a amazing um speaking of hall of fames <laughs> uh one of the things that me and mary bond over begrudgingly sometimes is our interest in the rock and roll hall of fame 
So, Mary, if you had to make a case for uh, Millie Jackson to be inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, as you did in the past, um, how would you present your case? So Millie is one of those artists that I don't know that the Rock Hall would be hip enough to nominate, although I would love to be wrong and maybe someone like Waka Unwusa uh, could spearhead an effort to bring her name to the table. Um, But I would really point to Millie being a hip hop pioneer and also Mm -hmm. opening the door to women being able to be lyrically explicit in music. Um, When it comes to influence, we can point to women rappers like Lil' Kim, Trina, Foxy Brown, Megan and Cardi. But I would even point to an artist like Jasmine Sullivan, who does this really mm-hmm. rich, soulful, confessional R&B that can be explicit. Or even someone like Erica Badu. I mean, think of a song mm-hmm. like Tyrone. And even that fits right into kind of what Millie was doing in her world. But she really did break down those barriers. And she's an artist who's important um, to show the bridge between R&B and hip hop. And I think she's also important, too, for giving a voice to Black women. You know, if you mm-hmm. think about Black women like Gladys Knight or Dionne Warwick or even the Pointer Sisters, and they're, they kind of have this elegant ladylike image they had to present to be accepted as legitimate by white audiences and toe that line. And Millie just kind of blew the lid off of that and gave Black women another option, which was that it was okay to be yourself and talk the way you wanted to talk and not have to pander to anybody. Absolutely. And I think that that's actually um, the right way to frame an argument for Millie Jackson is that she paved the way as an influence on female rappers. Yeah. And I think that like with John Sykes um, currently taking over the as the chairman of the rock hall and then put in gil scott heron in as an early influence and the way they reshaped that category in the last month or so i could see a world where millie jackson is inducted as an early influence absolutely yeah i'm gonna say the c word category i know that (gasps) we can't talk about that these parts i agree with everything you say and more (laughs) (laughs) on that yeah, but when I, so when the, the whole category thing came out with this recent class, like that was exactly where my mind went, was that people like um, Roxanne Shante and Millie, maybe there is hope for them to finally get um, the respect they deserve, because it's going to take someone being hip enough and going in and saying, we're doing this, like in this category, and this is happening. Um, and whether it was like musical excellence or early influence, like I wouldn't have a problem with either one Me of, either. of those women. But yeah, Millie, I think she's just too important to ignore. She's like this really important, not known person, but she's just one of those major building blocks. Um, and just like Gil Scott Heron, like that was one of the people I was happiest about in this recent class announcement, I think she would fit just as nicely in that role, um, just as he did in this um, class categories, early influence. And it'd be nice too, to see a, a black woman who is alive to see her induction too. Yeah. God which forbid. The Rockle 
has never had a good track record in the last like 15 to 20 years. No, it's they been really don't. Pitiful. They really don't. Um, and they've really got to start getting, um, and we don't want to get too far in the ways of the rock hall. Cause you know, you and I could complain. We could feel bitchy about that. Like all night. <laughs> Wait, Mary, are you feeling bitchy about I'm the rock? Hall? No, I'm joking. Bitchy about the rock. Hall. <laughs> <laughs> but like, I, they've got to do better about getting women in these categories. And, you know, of course, you know, we have women like Sylvia Robinson or Sylvia Roan, who would be so great to see in the Ahmed Erdogan position. And then there's women like Millie, who I think would be perfect um, to put in as an early influence to acknowledge what she did. Even musical excellence, like you said, like I could see a world where you can make a case for that. And I think she would show up and perform too, which I would just like fall over, but... Mary, I would go just for her acceptance speech. <laughs> yes. It's like, whatever it costs, we're going to be Eric there. is going to sit in the audience, yes. <laughs> sit it uncomfortably. He's going to be like, is Iron Maiden coming out yet? Oh my God. Like, I want her, Grace Jones, and Sinead inducted all in the same year because I know every one of those speeches will change my life in the best of ways. <laughs> oh my God. Can you, that would That would probably be hbo's worst nightmare but our like dream yes absolutely that, that's typically <laughs> any of my ideas about the rock hall or everyone else's worst nightmare like <laughs> but make me very happy <laughs> oh my god um yeah and I, I think that you know with gil scott heron like if this if you asked this like a month ago before the 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 inductees were announced i would have said millie jackson maybe is just too obscure yeah. to get even considered, like let alone even inducted. But I think now that you're seeing the rephrasing and redefinition of this category, which I think for, by the way, is fine. I know some people disagree right. with it. I just think that you got to get people inducted and you really want people to see their inductions while they're still alive. And I think something else that needs to be said too, is that you don't know when these artists are going to pass away. Right. And Millie Jackson is going to be approaching 80 in the next few years. We want to see someone like a Millie Jackson who could live to see her induction well, if it happens for her. Absolutely. And I think it's so important to like, you know, I beat this drum all the time about representation matters. And I think <laughs> it would be so special and important um, for people to see Millie inducted and, in, you know, one of the Rock Hall's missions is to engage, teach, and inspire. And I think it would be so great for people to learn about Millie and who she is. I, I'm, like, convinced, like, the world would fall in love with her, you know, if they only heard her stuff. Like, it's so easy to do because she's so talented and she's really funny. But I think, you know, for the people who do know who Millie is and her fans, I think that would be a really important induction to see yeah and you could actually get female rappers represented as inductees in, in the rock hall yes and maybe she could get a... gladys knight up there and say a swear word <laughs> oh my god that, i love how she refers to gladys as a sweet georgia peach yes. <laughs> it's just uh it's it, it makes me laugh every time she talks about gladys totally. i'm going to hell because of you gladys <laughs> <laughs> i just love it I, I played that like clip like a few times and I could not stop laughing so yesterday. Good. It's so good. She is 
so so great but i think that there is a world where i could see millie jackson get in, inducted as early influence or musical excellence or oh my god this is gonna sound crazy maybe a performer yeah <gasps> maybe as a performer i know that's shocking yeah i know I, like and my thing is i would take her her being inducted however i could get her it just feels like getting a performer into the rock hall is so difficult now it's like like i would sooner be able to win the lottery it feels like um it then than to see someone like her inducted as a performer i would almost say i would love to get rid of categories like you're seeing like i know it's gonna sound like a silly thing but i would almost be in favor of like because when you're inducted into the rock and roll hall of fame no one ever says you were inducted as a performer right. into the rock and roll hall of fame they just say rock and roll hall of famer right. um tina turner let's say um but like you know it it's just yeah when i first get started following the rock hall like i had no idea like the difference of anything so you know i was just happy to be there so <laughs> i feel like uh, we stress about these things a little too much i feel like you take a win when you can well and it's so interesting i don't know if you looked at that rhythm and blues hall of fame site and the way that they do inducting first they have these gigantic classes i mean i'm talking like 40 50 people like in one go but they mix um, radio stations and executives and they actually um, they inducted stacks as a record label i found that really fascinating but sometimes i wish the rock hall could be a little more crazy like that they they took more chances but they also did the right thing and like try to get more representation like you said from a diverse number of genres and i just I don't know. I think there's a great case for Millie Jackson. Yeah, I think so. And even if, like, you're saying, like, oh, she doesn't fit into the soul, like, listen to some of those records, especially early ones. They're straight up soul records. Absolutely. Um, So, Mary, I did want to ask you something um, that I'm going to ask every guest is if you were to create a mixtape of songs that best encapsulates uh, Millie Jackson's career, what songs would you select and why? So this was tough. I had to go through. I think we decided on seven, right? Yeah, we could do seven. And I I cheated. And you can ask oh. Eric. I always cheat. So <laughs> these That's why I love you. Because like <laughs> you don't have to play by the rules. No. You just get the results. So the first one I would encourage people to listen to is My Man, A Sweet Man. It's from her mm-hmm. debut album. And it's got a really nice, like, bouncy Motown kind of vibe. Um, it's really like that kind of Mary Wells-esque type vocal, but it's a really fun, sweet song. It's a good one to start out with. Like if you're not, if you're like, I've been listening to you guys talk about oral sex and toilets and everything, like I promise. In my notes, Mary, literally I wrote Mary Wells slash (laughs) Motown-esque. Yeah, it totally is. And so my second choice, and this is where I'm going to cheat, but that's appropriate because the whole album is about cheating. Um, but I think people, um, you should really listen to caught up like the album. Um, yes. it's in it. Cause it's hard to pick one song from that because they all flow together is this concept album about the cheating man and, um, the mistress and the wife. Um, 
you know the the song that's probably Millie's most well known from that is uh, "If Love and You Is Wrong." I don't want to be right. Um, that's amazing, but the album as a whole is really just this display of her vocal talent and how amazing she is. And she also has the rap, which is yes. the song with the funky drawers oh, yeah. that's on oh, yeah. this you album too. The, the funky drawers that got Millie in all kinds of trouble. <laughs> oh, Mary, I did want to say something too about that album yeah. that makes it sound so great too. And I did want to mention this at some point is that Muscle Shoals was yes. the back in band for this album. Yes. And I think that's what makes it so timeless it's and so, so rich. It's so good. Yeah. Really, really great. Um, and the the bass and all of her songs is just like delicious. It's so good. Um, really, really just takes it to another level. And absolutely my third choice is all the way lover from feeling bitchy yes um, it's just exquisite like musically vocally lyrically you know it's sensual it's sexy uh, it's got this great you know it's an example of one of the raps you know quote unquote where she does spoken word and she goes on this epic rant about men who will not perform oral sex on women that's uh, <laughs> pretty iconic iconic and a little uncomfortable but then once you kind of settle in you're <laughs> like know, okay like, Millie, you we're gonna do... push the boundaries it's like do you have an hr for this podcast because i feel like <laughs> i've harassed you <laughs> no it's okay i'm used to it um not by you just in general yeah. <laughs> so fourth pure not back in love by monday also from feeling bitchy um it's a cover of a merle haggard song which is everyone yes! knows i'm a huge merle haggard fan as well and like her interpretation of it is really fantastic another example you know of her kind of crossing those genre boundaries um as we know like a lot of country was taken from black music so it only feels right you know for millie to kind of you know reclaim and take back some of the roots there doesn't she like change the wording of it she a little does. she does fits it a little more i think it's more like kind of the other woman uh cheating kind of vibe thing too there but she does change the lyrics up a little bit on that i think that was ironically on the album feeling bitchy yes so she was feeling bitchy and she's like you know what i'm just switching yeah. merle's song she was that's actually a really good cover yeah it's all of her covers are pretty amazing and um you know i'm sure merle didn't mind merle's a pretty good guy merle had to enjoy it if he didn't <laughs> i would be more sad if merle didn't enjoy it oh i'm sure he did I'm sure he enjoyed he the, the royalties nonetheless. <laughs> he tipped his hat for Millie. Yes. <laughs> so fifth choice is Slow Tongue from her ESP album. Again, extra sexual persuasion. Um, it's of exactly what you think it's about. <laughs> and I love it. It's just a really, it's a good, funky, bassy, you know, uh, R&B music about sex. Is that the sim pop like stuff that's kind of like new wavy almost? No, it's a uh, it's just straight or, up kind of kind of soul. You gotta listen to it. It's good. I gotta check that out. Um, I had to say it is my sixth choice. Um, you know, same title to album, and that's where her rap influence starts coming in, mm -hmm. and it's really amazing. Like you really hear like um, I mean, she just straight up sounds like Curtis Blow pretty much like the style of rapping he was doing and really, really incredible. Um, I have a wild card for number seven. Um, 
you knock the love right out of my heart from the album the tide is turning um it's got this great 80s tina turner kind of vibe it's sort of poppy and synthy it's really really good um love that i do have a bonus song and that's her cover of toto's hold the line (laughs) i had that on my list right so from the live and uncensored album which i feel like everyone needs in their life uh, it's just we will incre- buy you a copy yes it's just incredible like her cover of toto's hold the line is incredible really really great so i she's a great covers artist i will say because like i was writing down a list of like songs that she's covered she's covered foreigners uh feels like the first time with isaac hayes rod stewart's do you think i'm sexy <laughs> yes. bad companies feel like making love which is really good yeah. too yeah there was um neil diamond's love on the rocks so good but the best one mary kenny longgins this is it (laughs) and millie's like this isn't it no it's it's not it but the thing is like there was nothing she wouldn't cover and i love that about her like she didn't you know give herself any boundaries of like whose music she was gonna cover her uh cover of do you think i'm sexy is pretty epic as well (laughs) On that live album, yes. it's so good. She's just like, and it's only like half the half the length of Rod's version, yeah. and it's just so, it's so great. It's like, and it kind of like, it's such a great song, in the sense that like in her version, because she basically recasts it from a woman's perspective, yeah. and it's like kind of like a uh, visionary, and it's almost like kind of um, way ahead of its time. Yeah, the way that she plays around with it. One of my favorites, Mary, um, is like a little bit of a deeper cut that's on um, Still Caught Up was uh, Love in Arms. Yes. I thought that that was really soulful. Yeah. Like I said, it was really hard to pick a list because I, I wanted to be a representative. I didn't want to pick just the dirty stuff, which, of course, like, I mean, that's all like amazing and hilarious. But, you know, she's got a lot of better, you know, like really, um, you know, amazing stuff like that. What do they say? You got to get your head out of the gutter. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's impossible. like, no, she's like impossible. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, no, it's just like, she's like, even come up with like seven or five or 10. It's like, she has so many wonderful songs. Yeah. I think pretty much anything you pick is going to be great. Especially like if you're into R and B and soul, like those earlier seventies albums, early eighties, like it just, you can't beat them really, really great. And the other one I wanted to mention that I really liked, and I don't remember if you said it or not was go out and get some. That's such a funky song. Yes. Yes. Um, and I was just like, go Millie. Yeah. Like home fires burning too is another great song. Like, yeah, it, it just, I, I'm just, I really haven't heard anything of hers where I'm like, ew, no, like, that's terrible. Um, and it's so funny because she hates some of her own songs. Like, she hates, like, My Man is Sweet Man. Yeah. And um, that other song that was a big hit for her, um, Ask Me What You Want. Yeah. Like, she doesn't even, like, like, there's interviews where she's like, turn that shit off. <laughs> <laughs> she, like, laughs and you're just like... Go, Millie. I feel like every artist has that song of theirs where like, oh, Jesus Christ, if I ever have to sing this or hear it ever again. Uh, I love like when she talked about My Man is Sweet Man. She's like, she's like, my man is sweet man. My man is sweet man. He's so kind. He's so lovely. And then she's like, if I was the other woman, I would say, yes, yeah, so next. <laughs> I was like, oh, that, that's a Millie Jackson answer if there ever was one. It really is. Oh, I just love her. She's she's great. 
Um, now, I did want to ask a final question, Mary. Is um, is there anything that you wish Millie Jackson would have done differently in her career? And it could really be just about anything, like any decisions she made or any genres or styles that she didn't cover or explore. You know, and I just thought that this would be an interesting question to ask. It would have been cool if she had done more rock music but at the end Mm -hmm. of the day i think what she did which was to essentially sacrifice popularity and airplay to perform the way she wanted to and present herself the way she wanted to is such an important thing that people need to see that i i'm loathe to say that she should have done anything different in her career i think women especially need to see women who have the courage to not sell out to kind of be themselves and to carve out an existence for themselves that's authentic even if it means you make less money or have less fame and so for me like you know sure i would have loved to have heard some more rock music by her but like the career that she has is just absolutely amazing that's actually her own answer in one of the interviews was that she she asked someone asked her and she always said like she always felt she was more rock and roll and that she wished she did this um explored it more and i always think to myself like the trajectory of people like tina turner in the 80s like when millie jackson was apparently thinking to herself maybe she'll go more rock and roll like she, maybe she could have been just as big i mean she performed with people like isaac hayes and elson john sure. and she could have but i mean and my original answer that i wrote down last week was well maybe she tamed it down a little but i think that kind of defeats the whole point of why she's special yeah. Yeah, and I mean, I think people need to understand, like, women are not these demure, you know, little little waspy things who never talk about sex and are never dirty and never trash talk. Of course we do. That's why the movie Bridesmaids was so popular, you know, because finally <laughs> it was like a movie who kind of represented... Uh, you know girlfriends the way that we are and that's how it feels with millie too um it, you know she just feels so authentic i'm just loathe even if i didn't agree with any you know every single thing she ever did like i admire she totally was her own person and did exactly what she wanted to do like that's the goal like women should get with other women in life you know is to celebrate women being able to be themselves and doing exactly what they want to do in their music careers and with the rock stuff it's hard too because there's such a gatekeeping i mean we see it in our rock hall conversations there's just such Mm -hmm. gatekeeping of what rock and roll is and who is allowed to perform it um and i think even tina turner faced so much of that like she's still like you know eddie trunk (laughs) doesn't even consider like tina turner rock and roll um that's a whole don't get us started with eddie that's a whole don't get nick started because he could do a three-hour episode on eddie talking but like you know to have you know people i mean there are people who flat out admit and with the rock hall that they wouldn't have james brown or prince or people like sam cook inducted you know what i mean which is just crazy like it's crazy to even think like that so like to to fathom an existence like where millie would have had to have pushed so hard to have been a black woman in rock and roll you know i I imagine it would have been very tough for her and it and it's also like this idea too like we've been um seeing writers like maureen mcmahon i'm reading her book right now um black diamond queens mm-hmm. i don't think there's a chapter specifically on millie but there's like this whole like re uh contextualization of 
how do we look back at music in 1970s and how it fit into the rock and roll conversation like bands like labelle and the pointer sisters and betty davis and all these wonderful performers that are finally kind of getting recognized as like important innovators and i think millie fits right into that absolutely absolutely and we're constantly changing our very ideas and notions of how do we constitute rock and roll well and and of course there's the famous ice cube quote you know rock and roll is a spirit and like i can't think of anyone who has a more rock and roll spirit than millie does just like totally circumventing authority and doing what she wanted to do and singing what she wanted to sing about, even if it made people uncomfortable. That's why I thought she was a perfect first episode um, artist to focus on because she embodies all the qualities of rock and roll that I personally favor and support. And I think that her integrity and her intelligence and her bravery should be rewarded and celebrated. Absolutely. And she's just a, uh, such an amazing figure that i'm so glad that you introduced into my life and now i'm probably gonna play her live album (laughs) probably on loop again for like the next week or two (laughs) because she's just so so great and and they're great songs like it's not even like oh she's just good because she's raunchy no she's just a great artist yeah it would be easy to write her off as just like a novelty like oh this you know hilarious black woman who like talks about sex like and it's like not even just that it's so much more like her music is so much more than that and i want people like if there was anything i want people to walk away from this episode with is like to just don't label her just let her be millie just approach her music with like millie jackson is just millie jackson and that's who she is and just enjoy her for the gift that has been bestowed upon us yeah and like i think millie says it perfectly and i think the npr episode or it was one of the interviews i shared with you and she said like literally i have no regrets yeah and i think that's so admirable of a woman and a person of color to say is like I have no regrets. Like I did everything I wanted to do. Yeah. I might not be like a multimillionaire 10 times over, but I'm happy. I could provide for my family. I could live comfortably. And, you know, I think that's what matters in life is what you want it to be. Not what other people want it to be either. Yeah. And like, not to get too deep in like, you know, mine and Eric's personal life, but we used to work a job where we made a lot more money. It was like for this big company, but it was miserable. And we left and took a pay cut. And it really is so freeing. It's like money doesn't matter. Like when you're happy, like, I mean, I know that's a bad answer. Like you got to pay bills and that stuff. And that's totally valid. But like, you know, at the end of the day, like being rich or like super famous, like, just does not compare to being able to lay your head down at night and know that you're just being true to who you are and not selling your soul out or anything like that. Like, and that's another reason, like she strikes such a core within me, you know, just, I just love her. I do too. And I'm so glad that you introduced Millie into my life. Another Miss Jackson. Scandalizing you. I'll have to mail you some holy water surely at some point (laughs) (laughs) this one is for the ears this one's for the eyes this one's for for the face um no um no it's 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 been such a wonderful conversation mary like this has been such a great conversation about someone who really honestly guys 
please check out Millie Jackson. Um, when I when this episode drops, I'm going to probably list uh, Spotify playlists, and I'm also going to give a list of songs and albums yeah. that you should probably check out um, to do some more appreciation of her body of work. It's it's fantastic. Thank you so much, Mary, again, for coming on and being our first guest. And I hope to have you on again soon and we could talk about another artist that you love just as much as Millie. Totally. And thank you so much. Like, I mean, it's such an honor being your first guest. Um, you're one of my dearest friends. And I just, oh. um, you know, like, if anyone's listening to Hall Watchers, you guys know I'm always passionate about, like, the underdogs and wanting people to get the what they deserve like an artist to get what they deserve so it's been such a pleasure being able to talk about millie who isn't someone people know about typically and just getting her story out there i just want everyone to be talking about her listening to her and loving her as much as i do getting that exposure out there yeah. and getting her name out there because i think that like especially with younger audiences like if they seek something out they're like oh what's this song then they'll kind of go into a rabbit hole and then you'll be like oh okay like there's this whole body of work and she's amazing they can get caught up <laughs> <laughs> they can get caught up in all of millie's greatness you know every time and then they'll be i was telling you this like every time eric and i you know on a monday when we're logging back into work because we're like back to the shit <laughs> it's so ridiculous <laughs> oh. oh my god when you said phrase, that before though. I, I, I literally was tearing up a little because I was laughing so hard because it's just such a it's so funny. No, it's but it's like I could perfect feeling for when you're like just going back to something you don't want to do. It's like back to the shit. Like, <laughs> 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 oh, my goodness. Get let's all get caught up in Millie. I'll get caught up. Get bitchy. Feel bitchy. And feeling bitchy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you so much again, Mary. And please check out um, Paul Watchers, Mary and her husband, Eric's podcast. And where can they follow you on Twitter, Mary? Um, we are on Twitter at Hall Watchers. We're on Facebook, but I barely use Facebook. So don't be surprised if I'm slow to answer messages there. But typically we're on Twitter, hanging around, talking music. So come join us, follow us. And usually it's me causing trouble. Yes, um, always. <laughs> <laughs> and you can also follow me at Nick D. Bambach and also at uh, this podcast's Twitter handle, which is going to be at Rockin' Retrospect Podcast. Uh, thank you again, Mary. And I will talk to you guys later. Have a good one. Thanks. <laughs>